Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Plenty of Tales podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and gee whiz, don't we have a special guest first up. A young, entertaining larrikin, born and raised in Maryborough. Some say he's the second best thing to happen to the small country town since Matthew Delvadova. VFL player for North Melbourne, and importantly, one of my great mates, Jake Lohman. Once again, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking your time out of university to be on the first episode of Plenty of Tales. How do you feel? First episode, Tales. <laughs> Roman Lyman, Snake Jake Lyman on the show. Couldn't be more happier. I seriously couldn't be happier. Um, my smile is ringing from ear to ear right now and uh, I can't wait to get into it. You beauty. Let's just jump straight into it, I reckon. Um, so, obviously, you used to play VFL for North Melbourne. Um, going back to your grassroots though, when was when was your first like love of footy flourished? Yeah, great question, Tails there. Um, when did I first the grassroots Mirabarra back in God's country? I'll mention it again. I'll say it twice actually, God's country, Mirabarra. Um, I reckon my love for footy well it's pretty interesting is my actual father never played a game of footy in his life. Um, he used to go around in uh, his primary school and high school days beating up blokes who actually played footy. He was a, he used to hate footy. Um, so that's, that's, that speaks volume there itself. But anyway, um, I reckon it was probably Auskick. Um, he used to you know, put on the Essendon, don the sash colours, um, face paint. He used to love dressing up in the Essendon colours and being my favourite players, Matty Lloyd and Scotty Lucas, just to name a few. But... Yeah, I reckon that that love of being at you know a community sort of oval back at um, Maribyrnong Rovers Footy Ground, Hedges Oval, it's called, and um, yeah, just kicking the footy with your mates and um, boys, girls, it was just a good fun to be around, and the the coaches there were just all really supportive and and made it a fun time to be around. And watching the footy obviously on TV, and watching your yeah, I guess you know your dreamhood of playing day for footy, and watching your cele- like these celebrities play footy now, you just thought, wow, I'd love to do that one day. So yeah. And was that sort of your passion once you saw the Essendon players on TV? And did you idolise that and was that your motivation to work harder in footy? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that was a big motivation seeing that on TV and that kind of thing. And even like sometimes at Kick we used to have AFL players actually come and have a kick with us and like have a kick of the footy and watch us play and that. And I remember one day um, Mal Michael and Matty Lloyd actually come to Kick one day in Maribyrnong and, Obviously, I was a supporter there, and I was like, I was so overwhelmed, I couldn't believe it. I remember um, playing, and I took a mark in the goal square and lined back up, kicking a goal, and I, I reckon I threw the grass up. I reckon uh, I was making sure the wind, I knew which way the wind was going, and went back and slotted it, and I just looked straight at Matty Lloyd and just started celebrating. So I think those kind of moments there, like that sort of kicks you, and that, that fills the adrenaline and that kind of thing. Obviously, that was a big motivator as well, but I think, um, like, even just like, family friends and older people that you know even like yeah cousins whatnot like they play footy as well and that kind of thing i never really sort of watched like senior footy when i was real real young because i never had that dad who sort of i liked it i guess so sort of took me a while to get into that kind of thing but um my pop was a definitely a big motivator in my footy career as well now you've got your mirabara magpies beanie on i can see yeah so you originally started at mirabara am i right yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah, so I started um, Maribyrnong Junior Footy Club, yeah. And then you moved on to which Ballarat team? Yeah, so I went on to uh, Lake Wendreef or Netball Club. 
um, in the Barrett Free League, yeah. So, and was that sort of a different venture heading out of the the small country town of Maryborough? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, yeah, with Maryborough, it was obviously all your best mates playing with each other, and I know you get 15, 16 aside some weeks, and you're all just having a kick, and you get the the younger brothers up and. They can't play with us. So that was always good fun. Um, it was in a pretty strong lead, the, the um, Bendigo uh, Junior Free League there. And then, yeah, once I made the switch to the uh, the BFL, I guess, Lake Wendere, um, it was definitely different different style of footy and definitely different kind of journey, I guess. Um, but footy was the weather down in Ballarat. So it's not the, uh, not the greatest thing going around, but it's pretty wet and muddy and that kind of thing. All the grounds are in, you know, beautiful nick, but um, it was definitely a different style of footy, I think. I think Bendigo League was a bit more cleaner and a bit more... I guess on the outside sort of stuff is uh, Barrett Legs a bit more grunt. You know, they've got the pigs inside and it's, uh, it's a bit more, yeah, brutal kind of footy, but yeah, it's all good fun. And then from the Ballarat, was the Lake Windery team where you then went into the Ballarat team for the TAC Cup? Yeah, so once I so I moved from um, Maribor to Lake Windery under 16, so I was under 16 Rebels trying out. Um, and I was actually pretty fortunate to get a try because I come from the Bendigo Pioneers and put in a transfer. Um, and people said, yeah, we'll give you a go. Like they, had, they probably didn't really, they probably, to be honest, didn't even know anything about me, to be honest. Um, I remember just rocking up and not really knowing that many kids that were there. Um, and then talking to the, yeah, the managers and coaches, that kind of thing. And they sort of knew that I did come from Bendigo. That was probably the only thing they knew. And then just sort of yeah, went from there and um, trained yeah, all, all summer. Then end up going to St Pat's in Year Ten the next year. So I was actually coming from uh, Maribor Education. And I was in Maribor Education in Year Nine, so I used to travel from Maribor to Ballarat um, a couple of times a week during, like, I guess, the November December days. And then once I um, moved to St Pat's, I'd, I'd go after school to training, and yeah, ended up finding my way on the list and yeah, making the squad, which I was yeah pretty happy about to be honest. So and you've mentioned St Pat's, one of the most prestigious Victorian country schools in football where did you find yourself in that team did you feel like you slotted in pretty pretty well and took a leadership role yeah well I guess like one of the big motivating factors for me going to St Pat's was actually probably football in itself if I'm being honest I remember sitting around in my home in Maribyrnong with my mum and seeing a television ad of them going to Darwin to play footy I'm like a school going to play footy in Darwin like with your best mates like you know 50 of his like how cool is that I was like, oh, I want to go there one day. And, well, I did. And uh, that was definitely a big driving force. But, yeah, St. Pat's didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. Obviously, I've heard a lot about it. And, and I had a couple couple mates I already knew that went there. And year 10, I um, just played year 10 footy. Didn't play any first aid and that kind of thing. It was a pretty good team, that one that was in year 12. Um, and then year 11, yeah, got a few games. I actually didn't get picked for the very, very first game against, I uh, can't remember who, Assumption College. That was the very first game. Didn't get picked. I was thinking, oh, wow, okay. Got to, got to work hard here and get the respect of the coaches. And then I ended up playing the next game. And I played every single game in a row after that before I ended up um, getting some injuries. I uh, tore, tore my quad. But um, then so I, miss, I missed out on playing first 18 um, and getting the jumper. you got to play five games to get your um, first 18 jumper. I think I yeah. played four. Um, yeah, so that was a bit of a bit of a bummer. And then watching the boys play um, – in the grand final um, against St. Bernard's that year um, and losing by like 11 points, something was pretty pretty hard to watch on the sidelines. Um, but then year 12 was a bit different. I was year 12 then. I was sort of the older one. But it was a bit different. Like, because I've come there sort of late to St. Pat's. It's like a real sort of history custodian sort of school. So like if you're from there from year 7 to year 12, it's 
it's more of a respect thing. I had to earn their respect coming later, I feel. Um, and yeah, I was fortunate enough to get a leadership role in the year 12, um, voted by my peers and teammates, coaches and that kind of thing as captain. And to be honest, I was, I couldn't believe it, it was pretty numb being captain of St. Pat's first 18 and, and leading out the boys for the first time and every game, to be honest. And then obviously the MCG was, was living on a boyhood dream and leading the boys out there, unfortunately lost, but as a day I'll never forget and I'll definitely tell the kids, um, they got to play on the MCG. So yeah. And from, from the game that you didn't get picked uh, in year 11, I think it was the first game. Yeah. Was it all the hard work and all the trying to get back into the team? Was that sort of a big key for the respect that you gained from coaches and the players? Yeah, definitely. Because, well, that year, year 11, I was bottom age Rebels and I made the um, made the list. And I think it was me and another one or two other blokes from Rebels bottom age that didn't get a didn't get picked for the first 18. Um, and we were sort of, oh, I remember just sitting there going, oh, you know, just um, <laughs> And I was like, oh, I've got to work hard get some respect and play play some good footy somewhere and somehow. Um, so I did try everything I could, ask the coaches, you know, what I could do to, you know, get a game and what I could improve on, that kind of thing. So I did that, went back and worked on my craft and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, went from there. But it was definitely a big driving force, especially because he literally just made the Rebels bottom age as a bottom age. And you think, oh, I can I can make the first that end team. But it's not as easy as that, not as simple. It's There's a lot of factors going into it. So and that, I learned that pretty quick, which, which was a good uh, – good lesson in disguise. So, yeah. And then from the Rebels, you obviously had your chance with the North Melbourne VFL. Can you tell me, can you take me through your first experiences with that process in general? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I finished up my top age at Rebels. Um, I remember I was on, I just come back from uh, schoolies actually. Um, just come back from schoolies from Gold Coast and uh I caught a I caught a super bug up in Gold Coast, got sick, um, and I got actually ammonia from it. It was pretty uh, pretty good how you going. And um, one of my, one of my mates, uh, one of my uh, brother's mates, sorry, come over um, a few days back after I got home, and he's uh, his actual dad's a, a, like one of the he's a coach at North Melbourne VFL, David Loderdeeks, and um, and he said, "Oh, you, you realise you've got to try it at North." And I said, "Oh." Have I? I didn't even know. I didn't even check my emails and that kind of thing because I've been really sick and that. And then, yeah, he said that I've got to try it because his dad was telling him. And he's wondering what you know what I was doing and that kind of thing. And I didn't even know, to be honest. So it's a bit, a bit bad on my behalf, but I was, you know, I was on my deathbed. Um, <laughs> but anyway, then um, got in contact with them and that kind of thing and said, look, this is where I'm at. I'm, I've got pneumonia at the moment. And I, was, I was sick for at least probably two months, lost about 10 kilos, I was probably low 60s, looking skinny as anything, um, and just wide as a ghost. But then messaged him and had that communication, which was great, phone calls, emails, that kind of thing. And um, then they said to me, if I'm if I'm ready to go after January, I could come and just have a meeting with them, no training or no no guarantees or anything. So it was a, yeah, just a, one of their, was their first training back, maybe like Feb 1st, something like that. So I went there pulled up to training and I packed my footy gear just in case because you never know, you never know tails. I thought I might have got had a bit of a, had a bit of a run. Walked in, had, didn't really know what to expect. Gave the, uh, the man, like the talent manager, not talent manager, like the overall manager, a uh, call saying, a uh, text message saying I'm, I'm here. Um, just waiting in the lobby. And he said, walk upstairs. So I walked upstairs and the first person I met was Gavin Brown. And I'm thinking, 
wow, I've just met Gavin Brown as my first person as I've walked in here. You know, Collingwood champion, a champion of the game. Um, I was like, I was pretty gobsmacked then. And then, you know, you know, shaking the hands of a couple other coaches here and there and that kind of thing. And then just walked in there and had a bit of a had a had a, had a twenty second um, chat with uh, the coach Deeks, and he said, "Oh, have you got your footy gear with you?" And I said, "Oh, look, I packed it just in case if you want me to go for a bit of a run and that." And he said, "Yep, go get your gear and go out there and get on track now." So I went straight in, grabbed my uh, grabbed my gear, went out for a bit of a bit of a gallop, a bit of a bit of a trundle, had a bit of a run, and then from there he just said, "Come back." Come back in a couple of days' time and that, and I did. And then just from there, trained for a couple of weeks, ended up making the uh, the rookie squad. So found myself on the rookie squad. And I, if you asked me that a few weeks ago, before I would have said no way. Um, yeah, and that's just sort of where it went from there. And so I started training every every week, travelling down from Ballarat, and then at, and uh, every every sort of week for a while. And then yeah, I missed the odd one or two trainings, um, which was fine because I was in the rookie squad. But I wanted to make every training I could and learn and. And learn off these players. You know, sometimes we train with the AFL players, and the good VFL players are definitely you know AFL worthy. And then, yeah, end up getting a couple of games late in the end of the year, which was which was seriously it's amazing. So yeah, I couldn't be more thankful for that experience and that opportunity. And did you have many mentors within the group, as in some of the more senior players that would come down and play VFL, or one of the coaches that had had? a fair bit of AFL experience. Was there one that really stood out to you? Yeah, there was, well, Tommy Campbell, he's probably the most friendliest giant I've ever met in my life. He's a, <laughs> he's a ripping bloke, Tommy Campbell. Um, yeah, all respect for him. Um, but I reckon once on actual game day, like there was a couple of VFL blokes who I really looked up to when I was there at the time. Um, one bloke was uh, Alex Morgan, his name was. Uh, Morgs and uh, he played. He got drafted to Essendon actually, like pick twenty four or something, and played two years there. Got delisted or traded for North Melbourne. He played one year on the AFL list, then got delisted to their VFL. And he was battling injuries and just his positivity and him trying to help me. Like, I remember one day we're in the ice bath and he's like, "Oh, these one percenters, Jake. Like, that's what will that's what you get your you know your name out there and, and get your game maybe later on in the year and that kind of thing." So I just sort of stick like stuck to that, saying if saying to myself, if I'd I try to do extra gym, extra stuff in the gym and extra running and extra sort of one percenters, ice baths, recovering kind of thing, you know, that I might actually get a game later on in the year because sometimes I was getting home at about like 11 o'clock at night, like eating tea. Um, so it was, it was pretty, yeah, I think it was all worth it in the end for sure. But um, actually on game day, Dom Tyson, he, he come down from the AFL. He was just coming back from injury as well. And he was, he was really good to me. Like he just sort of like, I remember like a couple of years ago, I was sitting and watching a Melbourne game and he was playing and now like I'm playing with him. So he was pretty good for me as well, I reckon, um, Dom Tyson and Nathan Novak, those kind of blokes. But the VFL blokes like Nick Rippon and and uh, Nash Holmes. Nash Holmes was much older than me, to be honest. He's only a couple of years older, but just he's, he just led by his actions. Um, and it, yeah, it made it a lot easier for myself, definitely. Now, unfortunately, you were delisted from the VFL team, which... Which for me, listening and hearing about all your great achievements is quite a shock. But um, you've said you you said you wanted to go back to Ballarat this year. Was that just to be back at home with some mates, or was it just more? Was it a different reason? Yeah, no, good question, Taylor. So, so I went over to the seas straight after the season in South America um, for five or six weeks. And to be honest, it was the best, like one of the best experiences of my life, and I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't take it, you know, wouldn't take it back. But probably put me a bit behind the eight ball when I got to 
um, North pre-season. So I still had, I was um, asked to try it again um, to work myself from the rookie squad to the actual list. And I was pretty excited for it. I couldn't wait. Um, and it got probably, probably like the second or third session when I was training back from South America. I got, literally got back a couple of days before it, before training. And I was way behind the eight ball. Like, and I liked, I'm a big believer in if you work hard, you'll receive. If you work hard and do the extra stuff, you get rewarded. Um, and I, to be honest, probably lacked off a bit and was probably a bit behind the eight ball. And I, and I hated it for myself. I hated myself for it. And it probably ate away at me a little bit. Um, and yeah, it really just sort of, I don't know, it wasn't the best thing going at the time for me. So I made the decision to, to put um, BFL on the hold, I guess. Um, I had a couple of trainings and I said, no, nah, I'm done. This is not in a, not in the best headspace right now mentally. Um, it's draining me. It's not fun anymore. I'm not playing for the love of it. I'm only playing it because I want to do it for my for my mum, my family, my dad, and that kind of thing. So I, I kind of put myself first for the first time, I think. Um, and that was, I guess, in, looking back on it, it was probably a good decision now. But like, I just like I love footy so much, and I wish I wish I kept like wish I got through it, but I but I didn't, and I made a decision on the on the you know with a quick call, and I did it. So that I never, you know, I look back at that now, but, um, but yeah, it was sort of like one of those decisions where I've made. And I think this year was supposed to be my year to just have no, no stress on my footy, no other expectation. Cause when I was playing at Rebels, I always had an expectation and VFL last year, I had, you know, a bit of a name on my shoulder, head. So I wanted this year to be a year where I could just play footy and be me and just play it to the love and be my mates and, and that kind of thing. And, and hopefully have a really good season, and and then if I'm ready to have another go at VFL, then I'd then I'd go for it. But if I wasn't ready, well, I wasn't ready, so I wasn't going to push it. And um, that, that's what I was hoping really this year to really be a year where I could have some fun and and play some really good footy and cement myself at senior level. So, yeah. And obviously, with the constant driving back and from Ballarat and the North Melbourne training grounds and everything that would have taken, like you said, it took a bit of a toll coming home at 11 o'clock at night. Was that just, were you sort of just finding yourself a little bit more tired and tired each time? Yeah. Well, good point. You say that Tales, because when I was at the moment, I just come back from South America and I had, I had no job um, at the moment. I wasn't going to uni at this stage as well. Um, so I deferred at the halfway through last year so I was sort of doing nothing at this stage, just coming back, finding my feet, going to try and find a job and that kind of thing. And I was sleeping like 14 hours a, a night. I remember I was going to bed at like 10, 11 and literally waking up at 12 o'clock the next day, 11 o'clock the next day. Um, and I was, I actually kind of thought um, there was like something wrong. I just, I literally, I just got fatigued, like literally just got worn out. Like it's something like you do too much and like over time, you, you get, you not get sick of it, but you kind of get worn out. And I think that happened to me. Like physically, I was worn out. Mentally, I kind of wanted to go. I wanted to do it and just take it, like, you know, take it on. But I couldn't do what my body wanted me to do and mentally and just sort of, I guess, come together and said, nah, Jake, this is it. Like, you need to stop. And that's what really happened. And it sort of it hit me. It hit me really quick. Um, I didn't even know what to feel because usually footy, like I, like, I love it and just go for it and do whatever I can. Um, and it was sort of like, it was like sort of like a alarm bar was going off me saying something. So I think you can say I was a bit fatigued. I thought, yeah, I was sort of got worn out. Yeah. Mm. And for people in situations like that, especially with 
your mentality was all there. You wanted to keep pushing and you wanted to keep going, but your body was saying, no, we can't do this. What would be, yep. what would be something that you'd, ta- you'd say to people that are probably going through stuff like that? Well, it probably depends on, it all depends on the different person. Everyone's different. Everyone's made up different, but I'd probably say, you know, at least talk about it with someone. I kind of like, it kind of ate up on like I, I'd, I felt like a bit of a, like a, like I sort of quit, gave up in a way, but it like, it just happened so quick. I didn't like, I didn't want it to go out like that way sort of thing. Um, but it did and I won't change it. Um, so I'd say try and talk about it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't struggling. I wasn't like struggling mentally, like mental health or anything like that kind of thing. But it was just, it was literally more of a physical thing and I'd just been worn out. So I think just talking to someone and helping that, you know, letting someone else know about what's going on. Um, anything that's mental health and fatigue, like that kind of thing, it really does help. Um, and just taking a seat back and, and thinking about yourself and, and doing it for you. Cause you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's you. So yeah. Hundred percent. Mm. Now, the first first time I met you, all I could remember was plenty of laughter just bouncing off all the walls in the room. And you've got one of the best personalities that I've come across. And in Geelong, you've got plenty of personalities. But a guy like you to come out of Ballarat into a life of mine, your your TikToks. Yeah. You're a man that you're a man that's had me in stitches many and many of time. Is it something that you just is it positivity that you try to beam? Is that just your motto? Is that just what you live by? Nah, you're making me blush your tail, stop it. Um Thank you very much. That very kind words. I might have to give you a, a kiss on the lips like Dill Buckley would say, dad kisser, but it's more of a bro kiss on the lips anyway. Um stuff for that. But um I don't know, I sort of I think just be yourself. Like it's easy, simple as that. Like I know I'm sort of starting to, I'm starting to copy your deal friends here and that, but just, yeah. just be yourself. Like it's not like you don't have to, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Like just be yourself, be who you are. And, and, and like, I think a big driving force for me is my family. Like I love my family, my family, man. And I feel like I've always tried to like make people laugh. Like I've always saw it as like lift people's day sort of thing. Like if you never know someone's backstory, like you never know what, someone's going through what's what they've what they've been through. So I think if I can make some sort of contribution in their day and be myself and and I don't know, make make them have a smile, make them have a laugh and that kind of thing, then I actually get the I actually get the most reward out of it, I feel. And I hope I've rewarded them as well. But like just being yourself, man. Like it's just it's easy. Like it's 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 free. It's free to have a like have a smile, have a laugh, have a joke. It doesn't cost anything. So um but yeah and TikTok I just I don't know. There's there's some there's some interesting things. There's probably some cringe things, but well, we don't we don't care what anyone thinks of us. We just do what makes us happy, and that's and that's the main thing. So I just go for it. Absolutely. I, I don't look back. You got to be. My, one of my mottos is if you if you hesitate, you miss out. It's one of my great calls. I like to say. I've actually got it off uh, Paul Lyman. That's my dad. And um, you got to go 100 percent because if you hesitate the slightest, you miss out. You're 95 percent in. You're not 100 percent in, are you? So. TikToks, I like to make people laugh, have a bit of a dance. Oh, with some wacky ideas sometimes. Sometimes I've had to sort of hold myself back. And, uh, yeah, I just like having fun. Why not? Why not, Tails? And now, last thing I want to talk about is, uh, as I've mentioned before, your nickname, Snake. Um, yeah. Obviously, 
correlates with your name, Jake, there's a certain tattoo that comes along mm. with that name. Mm. Would you care to tell us the short, long story about it? Either or. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not telling you. I can't, can't do it. No, just joking. Um, yeah, so South America, where were we? Peru. So we're in the, we're in the land of Peru. And uh, it's myself, me mate Lockie Dawson and Marlon Staley, us three boys, the three amigos on the trip. And uh, Lockie goes, I'm going to go get a tattoo. And uh, we all looked at each other like, well, yeah. He's like, well, we've all got to get a tattoo, one in all in. I'm like, well, that's, that's sort of what the trip's been about, one in all in sort of kind of stuff. You know, we're only here once, we only live once. So we've, we've walked into this uh, tattoo shop at Peru. Um, Lockie Dawson likes to call himself Chaz Michael Michael. Yeah, makes up a lot of nicknames for himself. He's a bit of a, a interesting character, but we won't worry about that. Anyway, he's already got a tattoo figured out for him. He's he's getting on the arm. Um, I won't say what it is because it's in Spanish, so he's a bit um bit of a mystery that man. But anyway, so he's got his tattoo, and myself and Marlon are looking through the tattoo books, just flicking around, flicking around. Oh, what do we want? What do we do? What do we do? I don't know. And uh, something's just come to my head out of nowhere. I'm thinking, well, why not Jake the Snake? <laughs> Um, I've been called that from when I was a young kid, you know, my uncles and family and friends and snake and that kind of thing. So I thought, you know what, as my first tattoo, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat myself and get Jake the snake. So I did it, and I got it in. Uh, I don't know. I say I say some things wrong sometimes. So I think is it Arabic or Arabic? Arabic, Arabic language. I think it's Arabic. Arabic, Arabic yeah, scripture. So, <laughs> yeah. So I got it in the Arabic scripture and. Uh, got written Jake the Snake. So who actually knows if it's Jake the Snake? It could be something else. Like the Peru bloke could have stitched me up. It might, I don't know, it might mean live, laugh, love or something. I don't even know. Who knows? But it's, uh, I think it's Jake the Snake. I showed him the photo in uh, Google Translate of Jake the Snake. So he, he wrote that. It's uh, right on the high end of my uh, quad. So right next to the, um, you know what, little snake. And uh, yeah, that's right. Hmm. Uh, lovely story. Well, Jake, once again, thank you so much for being on the debut podcast of Plenty of Tales, and it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, mate. Well, Will Taylor, Plenty of Tales, it's been it's been quite an experience, one I'll never forget. Probably tell the grandkids uh, once you go famous, um, and you're on the other send send radio or I don't know front bar or something like that. Tales with your personality and charisma and charm. Um, It'll be a good one to tell. So, no, I'm very, uh, very grateful for the experience and to debut on the show and uh, hopefully to uh, plenty more times so we can share a beer together down the track and once COVID gets uh, gets rid of and Dan Andrews can make a stop and we'll be right to go. So all the best, Tales. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for tuning in to the debut episode of the Plenty of Tales podcast. The support for the podcast has been so amazing and I honestly can't thank you all enough. Once again, thank you to Jake for the chat. He's an absolute river bloke to sit down with. Make sure you guys are following the podcast on Spotify and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also make sure that you're following the Plenty of Tales Instagram account as well. Love yous.